once again, I'm John the Video Guy, and you are listening to The Post Show. In today's episode, I am joined with freelance cinematographer Bob Ryland. I've had the opportunity to work with Bob on a few short films back when I was in high school, first learning about film production. And today, we talk about how his career is going and his journey thus far. We go deep into the aspects of freelance cinematography, from things such as tax preparation to gear and camera rentals. There's a lot of value in our conversation if you are looking to make the jump to freelance. So without further ado, please welcome Bob Ryland. Bob, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. It's good to hear from you again, man. Absolutely. You know, we've had a chance to work on a lot of freelance projects in the past, usually like short films. I was always curious. I I never really learned about your backstory. So for people out there that want to learn more about where you came from, your passion for storytelling, can you give us a little insight on that? Absolutely. Uh, My career really started back in the early uh, mid 2000s. I graduated high school in 07. Um, and I had uh, a passion for movies, even from a kid, my grandfather and my dad, that's all they would ever talk about. So film always played a, a really pivotal role in my life. It was a conversation starter a lot with the family. Um, and then when I got into college, I wasn't sure really what I wanted to do. And a wise uh, counselor told me, well, take something you love. So I found a, a filmmaking class, film appreciation class, and that was it. Um, I really fell in love with camera early on and wanted to know as much as I could with the camera. Um, So I found myself taking as many production classes as I could um, throughout Cleveland State, varying uh, from TV production, film production, uh, commercial work, kind of anything to just get a camera in my hands and start shooting and making stories. Um, I graduated in 2012 and started freelancing right then and really made full-time uh, cinematography and freelance, my, uh, my only thing, uh, going on five, coming up on six years, I should say back in 2015, I started doing this. And I think we started working together kind of around that time on uh, a handful of short films locally, Northeast Ohio area. So that's, uh, that's me in a nutshell. Very cool. And you said, uh, that you went to Cleveland state university. Um, Tell me a little bit about the experience there, what you learned, and maybe if there's young people that want to go to Cleveland State, can you give some more insight about the college? Absolutely. So at Cleveland State, um, luckily for anybody that's listening now, uh, they've changed a lot since I started going there uh, back in 2007. And uh, I will say I was on the five-year plan, uh, not because of grades or anything like that, but the way that they uh, would do production classes, they would space them out across different semesters. So if you got out of line somehow for one reason or another, uh, maybe you wanted to take a different class at that time, you would have to wait almost a year, sometimes two years, to take a certain production class. So I wanted to make sure that I could get the most out of all of it. So I took five years there. It gave me experience, like I said, in uh, TV production and film production. But recently, they've opened up a film school with a couple of nice sound stages. I've been meaning to go back and take a peek at it. But work and then a a global pandemic kind of put a a damper on going back and seeing it but they have a great program they definitely got cameras in my hands fairly early on which was really nice and the one of my favorite professors there taught me one of the biggest things i still hold true today which is if you don't like that light where it is don't be afraid to move it 
And that's something that's really stuck with me since he told me that. So shout out to uh, uh, John Bon. Uh, I doubt he'll listen to this because that man is always on the move doing something. But he uh, he definitely gave me a little piece of advice that I would recommend to anybody. That's pretty cool. And I actually had a, an apprenticeship with Cleveland State University for a summer, uh, I think back in 2014. And it is a really nice campus. Have you uh, met Evan Lieberman? I know he's a professor there oh. for film. Absolutely. Evan, uh, he got me through my film one and film production two classes. Uh, definitely uh, one of the first cinematographers I got to work with because he uh, had a very interesting path being a, a screenwriter as well as a cinematographer in his own right. Um, so I, I got to learn a bit from him, which was uh, which was kind of cool. And uh, we still run into, uh, run into each other on set every now and again because... Cleveland State, they they do a lot of stuff, and I find myself down there every now and again for jobs that aren't even linked to anything that has to do with the film program there, so that's always fun. Very cool. Now, while you were at Cleveland State, did you apply for any internships or got a chance to work in you know real-world uh, setting? Oh, yeah. Um, internships, not so much, because they're I- extremely competitive, uh, as you can expect in, in film, but Evan and John both... Uh, made sure that we try to get as much real world experience as we could. Did projects for uh, the RTA, which is uh, our local regional transit authority. So bus, uh, light rail transit lines, I got to do some projects for them. Uh, got me connected to work right out of college. Uh, one of the professors actually recommended me to shoot an industrial two days after walking at commencement. So I, I walked on Saturday and Monday morning I was walking on to one of my first uh, commercial sets uh, to do to shoot an industrial. Um, and then that led to another job, and it just kind of snowballed from there. So Cleveland State, while they might not have given me uh, the actual structure of an internship, definitely gave me some connections to people that are still working today and who I still work with. Very cool. Very cool. So your, your passion started with movies. And, you know, it sounded like in the early career and even when I was working with you on a lot of short films, you know, budgets are a thing. You know, there's not a lot of money out there for short films. And, you know, if there is, you know, you, you can be fortunate to find uh, great projects to work on. But there's also another side to cinematography, the corporate side, you know, working for businesses and companies. So can you, el- can you elaborate on your journey, kind of navigating through the film space and then shifting your way to making it full-time for yourself as a freelancer. Sure. Um, So coming out, um, corporate was definitely where the money is, and that's even under a pandemic still where it is. Um, So I had a lot of, uh, I was fortunate enough, I should say, to have word of mouth spread. Hey, Bob's got a camera. He knows what he's doing. We can hire him for X, Y, and Z. So it's definitely started doing talking head uh, corporate stuff, you know, sitting down with, uh, you know, a business owner or somebody from an organization who had a, a story to tell, make that look good, shoot some nice B-roll, and that project leads to another project. And corporate is a nice place to kind of live um, as a freelancer. You get to eat. You get to know that you got a roof over your head, which is always important. But if you if you play your cards right, kind of like I have, you can really build yourself up and set yourself up to go and chase some things like short films, film in general, or even just be able to take on projects that 
might not have a budget, but because you know that you have enough of a paycheck coming in from corporate stuff, you can sacrifice a little bit and, you know, take on a project that is truly about the passion, truly about the art, because at the end of the day, uh, I do see myself as an artist that leverages business opportunities to to eat. But it's all about the story for me and trying to, you know, make something beautiful and collaborate with other fun artists and uh, make something we can all be proud of at the end of the day. Absolutely. Um, so is that what you would say would be your niche or your niche, depending how you say it? But yeah, my business card, I, I got tired of being called a, a videographer or the guy with a can't whatever. So uh, I really latched onto visual storytelling um, because I think that it's in my wheelhouse to just the way that you move a camera, you can take it around and, and tell a story with very little dialogue through camera movement, lighting, what you see, what you don't see. And, and I really like that aspect of a camera. You can tell a story visually with very little setup. Yeah, that's very cool. So you mentioned something, and it seems like a lot of your business comes from word of mouth, from working on one project, that you do a great job and they recommend you to another job or another company. I want, I'm curious how much, or if you want to give me a percent of your new business comes from referrals. Um, a hundred percent of all of my business comes from referrals. I have a website just for when somebody says, Hey, uh, this guy over here, Bob, he, he, his stuff is pretty good. Uh, what do you think? I can say, well, here, check out my site. It's got all my contact info on there. It, it needs an overhaul, so I, I don't want to plug it too much, but uh, I've just gotten a, a lot more gear is really the thing that I want to put up and because um, that's what it comes down to. But all of my work is referrals. I really don't advertise too much. Uh, I'm busy enough as it is. I could always use more work. Who wouldn't want more money? But at the same time, I we live comfortably, my wife and our dogs, so we don't really want for much. Uh, so that's... My business is all referral based. I really don't advertise. I'm not out pounding the pavement, knocking on doors to do stuff. But I do pay attention when people are looking for a DP. And before I hopped on with you, there was a somebody looking for a DP to shoot a weekend's worth of documentary stuff. And I love doc. So uh, that's going to be something that, hey, if there's a budget, awesome. But if not, we're going to do some interviews and some really cool setups potentially. I'm in. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, being 100% word of mouth, maintaining those relationships is really important. Can you give me a little insight on how you maintain those relationships and keep on friendly terms with your customers? Absolutely. Um, I hate the term customer. Um, it's because it, it sounds really cold. I did retail before this. Um, so and even client is weird, because at the end of the day, a lot of the people that I work with, they are friends whether it's a production company that's hiring me up to just be a DP for them, the project's already ready to go, the only thing they're missing is a guy with a camera, or it's my buddy that I've known for over a decade who calls because he needs something. It's Most of these people are my friends. Um, they might have started as business acquaintances, but uh, that's really what it is. It's a relationship that's about being friendly, knowing each other's needs, uh, which can be tough, but... I uh, I try to listen as much as I can to people when they're they're looking for some work, but I at the end of the day I let the work speak for itself most of the time, and I also know when to shut up, like right now. 
<laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, can you tell us a little bit about the pros and cons of being self-employed? I'm not sure. It doesn't sound like it, but I don't think you've worked with another production company as like a full-time staff or like where they just give you projects uh, in that regard. The last job that I had where I got a W-2 uh, and had taxes taken out was working retail for the Cleveland Zoo. So that was the last grown up job, as some might see. But I've been full-time freelance since 2015. It's scary, um, but it's also extremely rewar- rewarding. It's fun uh, knowing that like you've got two, three weeks of solid work ahead of you. It's really nice. You sleep really easy at night, um, and that's nice. Um, a con is definitely not knowing when work's going to come in. Global pandemic really highlighted that for a lot of people that do gig work and it's tough, but you really have to plan ahead to kind of keep, you know, yourself afloat as best as you can. A pro to working for yourself is I love snowboarding. Um, so it wouldn't be uncommon for me to not have work for a few days, you know, especially this time of year during the winter and just pack up, leave go snowboarding, hang out, and you get to make your own schedule. That's definitely the best part about working for yourself. But it's also the the exact reason that working for yourself can be extremely trying is because you don't know when that next gig might come in. So that's a pro and a con really for working for yourself is scheduling and uh, being able to sit down and, you know, hammer out a day and set yourself up for success is another big thing to take it into consideration when you want to work for yourself because it can be tough to wake up in the morning when you don't have anything that's really going to make you leave the house, get out of bed or do anything productive for work, but it's tough. And once you kind of get into a little bit of a routine, it becomes second nature. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm going to give you one word and I want your reaction to this one word. For sure. Taxes. Taxes. Hire someone. <laughs> um, Absolutely. <laughs> I, uh, I, I would do it. Uh, I did it myself, actually, for the longest time, um, even after getting married and still being full-time freelance. I did it, but my wife had a, a tax prep for her before we got together. Um, and I was like, well, let me see what, uh, what that is. And it's so easy. I don't have to do much these days. I just keep all my receipts, keep them in a file, stay organized. That's the best thing I can tell anybody is stay organized, write everything down, know where you put it because that's the worst is, oh, I definitely wrote down the mileage for this shoot, but where did I put it? And then you're hunting through emails trying to find if you invoiced for the mileage so you can write it down there for taxes, but write everything down, keep organized. I've got spreadsheets that I start anew on January 1 uh, every year, like clockwork, stay up with your W-9s as well. If uh, I can recommend anything to anybody, when you wake up January 1st, hungover or not, uh, go out, snap a photo of your odometer. Uh, you want to know where your mileage is at. That'll do two things. It'll give you your ending mileage for the previous year and your starting mileage for the next year. That's important because that's money on the table if you're a freelancer. Yeah, very good advice. And you covered it a little bit. You know, there's busy moments and there then there's times where it's not so busy and you know that sometimes there's scarcity there's not a lot of work coming in 
what do you do in that downtime? Is there some ways or areas that you go to to learn or develop your craft or ways to learn and utilize that downtime? Always. Up until the pandemic, I found myself, I was an avid reader, not so much for pleasure, but definitely for work. American Cinematographer is a great journal, comes out monthly, love it. That's definitely something that I, I look to for insight from working DPs that are, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to shoot the next Marvel movie by any means, but if, you know, Trent's got some information out there on, you know, working with the newest and greatest cameras because those are the productions that are going to get them, I'm definitely going to read that interview. Um, I'll also listen to a handful of podcasts. You know, the post show is a, a podcast to listen to now, um, but I also love uh, uh, The Wandering DP. Uh, that's a, a good one for anybody that's looking for some tips on lighting. Um, the Go Creative show is another one. So I listen to a lot of that. It's passive learning is really nice with podcasts and stuff these days. But I've also looked into taking some master classes, um, depending on when schedules allow. And obviously when, you know, you can also get together because so much of our industry is hands on. You know, you can really you can learn a lot through YouTube. You can learn a lot through listening to somebody and learn a lot through reading. But I work in a visual medium and I'm a visual learner. So I prefer to get out on set and put something into practice. So I'll uh, try and do that as much as I can. It's tough these days, but um, I'm definitely reading. I'm definitely seeing what other people are out there doing. Downtime for me, I try and relax because a lot of times just went through it. I had a very long shoot Monday into Tuesday and yesterday was uh, a good rest day for me because being out of practice with production, you're using muscles that you don't always use if you're sitting at home a lot. And I was definitely feeling it. So be healthy is another thing that I will say for a freelancer in downtime. Take care of yourself. Listen to your body. Uh, when you need sleep, take it. We're going to burn the candle at both ends, all ends, a lot. So when you have a moment um, when work is scarce, don't harbor, you know, don't lean too much on the fear that you're not going to get work. It will come back at some point. Take the time. Work on yourself. Mental health is a big thing. So is physical health. Eat an apple small things, drink water. Very good. Cool. So being a freelancer, you probably have your own equipment. Uh, if you want to go through some of the recommendations you have, if someone's starting out on what they should purchase, as well as there are places where you can do camera rentals. So maybe if something For costs sure. a lot of money, you know, some areas that people can go to get good deals. Um. So I have... I started off with buying my own camera instead of a car back in the day. I wouldn't recommend that to everybody. Make sure you can get around because you're going to want to take that camera to shoots. But um, I bought a camera instead of a car and uh, I now own four or five. I'm a big Canon guy. Um, I'm looking always for what they've got coming out. Debating a red currently. Uh, the Komodo looks really nice. Um, but I own all of my own gear. Um, I like to be able to show up to set and know how everything's going to work. Definitely do rent as productions need it. Sometimes you need cameras that absolutely have to match. Um, despite running all Canons, I've got one that does 4K. I've got one that done, does 1080, one that's a DSLR. So they're all kind of have their own purpose. But if they need to match, um, I'll definitely rent locally. We've got Cleveland Camera Rental. They do a lot of really nice stuff. They're up to date on a lot of the newest, uh, specifically camera gear but they carry a lot of grip and electric. I find myself traveling a lot um, for shoots, so having some place that can ship you is always nice. Um, lens rentals, they do a, a good job of shipping as needed, 
because I'll travel with either a camera or a full camera package, but they can send me lighting if for some reason I'm in an area that maybe doesn't have a rental house. Oddly enough, shooting in Colorado, it's tough sometimes. As we found out, having to go and do a documentary there, uh, we flew with the cameras, but they had to overnight ship us all of the grip. So getting stands shipped in via UPS, lighting, it can be uh, a nightmare. But definitely look into houses um, where you're going to shoot at is, is helpful. In terms of gear that I like now, I guess, um, it's tough. Um, I know s- usually this is the time of year when a lot of people are announcing new cameras and stuff like that, but it's a weird year. I don't know what new is coming out. Everybody's just kind of dropping it as they see fit. But uh, I'm always trying to stay up on the stuff, and I'd recommend to people, if you can, don't be afraid to you know, work in the rental on uh, project. Um, I've definitely been considering a lot more um, for projects that are coming in, trying to build into the budget, trying to get those newer and nicer cameras to test to see if they're going to be good in how I work, because not every camera is going to be great for every scenario. I wish I could give everybody the one camera to rule them all, but there really isn't one. So much of it depends on what you're trying to do. And I've used a lot of the cameras, more than happy to give my opinion on each of them. Um, But I think uh, I'm happy with Canon um, if I was going to make a recommendation for a camera. Um, Their color is really nice, in my opinion. Form factor is pretty good. And uh, they all work well with each other. And they can match up pretty well as uh, from a post standpoint as well, if you're going to try and finish a bunch of different footage. Very good. Very great advice. So one last question here um, as we wrap up the podcast. What was one of the coolest projects you've had the opportunity to work on in your career so far? Uh, there's There's been a couple. Um, you know, the ones that stand out are, are ones that I, I get to travel for because um, that's always fun. You're on the road. You feel like you're going off to battle. At least I do. Back when I first uh, went full-time freelance, I had the opportunity to uh, work on a documentary that took me from Cleveland uh, all the way to the middle of Europe um, for two weeks to film a travel documentary. Um, So that was really cool. Um, It's in post-production right now, tripped up. I wish I could give a release date for it, but we're we're rounding the corner trying to to push that over. But that was a really fun one. It was uh, a good way to tell a story and just be observing, because uh, it was a, just a crazy travel documentary following people going and doing fun things very similar to The Amazing Race. So that was fun, and it brought its own challenges from a cinematography standpoint, and you know, what do you pack, what, what's absolutely needed to make a project. Um, so that was really fun. Uh, and then originally, when I was trying to get into video, I was big into action sports, snowboarding, skateboarding, BMX. Um, so I had the opportunity to shoot IndyCar um, a couple of years ago, and that was probably another memorable project, uh, getting to go out onto uh, an IndyCar track and hang out the back of a rented minivan while a, a Formula One car chases you around a racetrack is not an experience a lot of people get to share. Um, and I, I was really happy that I was able to share it with a, a great group of guys on a, a fun project. And they kept me safe and, and the camera safe. And I got to have some really cool shots uh, for the reel. So those are probably my two, my two fun projects that I always love to, to talk about. 
whenever the opportunity comes up. Very nice. Very cool. Yeah, filmmaking is so interesting because you just, you never know. I mean, we do some crazy things sometimes and those experiences are so cool. Um, Well, with that, Bob, I want to thank you for joining me here on the post show today. Thanks for having me on, John. I really appreciate the opportunity. Very good. I want to thank Bob again. I hope you found some value in our conversation here today. If you're interested in freelance cinematography, you can find and follow Bob on social media with the handle at Bob underscore Ryland for Instagram and Twitter. If you like the podcast so far, please follow us and share it with people you believe can benefit from our conversations. You can also go to my website, johnthevideoguy.com forward slash post show to see all of our episodes. We look forward to talking to you soon.